0: In today's episode, I try to not have a complete meltdown while discussing everybody else's meltdowns. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to another edition of the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. If this is your first time at the pod or at the show, my name is Ryan and I am a full-time reseller, Part-time YouTuber and podcaster working out of my home here in the greater Cincinnati area. And this show is all about the flip life. In today's episode, we have got reselling news. And I feel like I'm the bearer of bad tidings <laughs> uh, every week because the news is not really all that great. Uh, and then we'll have a what's sold recap at the end. I want to start by talking about uh, Q4 Sales. If you're here live this morning on YouTube, please feel free to jump in the chat and let everybody know how your sales are going. I'm seeing a lot of mixed results as I'm on Instagram and the various Facebook groups and whatnot. I've seen some sellers who indicate that things are going quite well this Q4 and I've seen others uh, completely at the other end of the spectrum. Saying that they're on the verge of having to liquidate their inventory and go back to the conventional workforce. So let us know if you're if you're here live, how your sales are going. If you're catching the replay, feel free to leave a comment. If you are listening to the podcast, you can of course reach out to me by email at galaxycds at gmail.com or click the link in the show notes to leave me a voice message, which I may play in a future episode. Uh, Lots of good mornings in the chat this morning. Hello to everyone. Uh, I appreciate you coming out for the live and please feel free to participate in the discussion that we're having here today. We're going to get into... News updates. This reselling news, which the big news uh, from yesterday, if you were trying to do... Gosh, just about anything from uploading a workout to Strava to watching a movie on Netflix to getting into Amazon Seller Central. Uh, It it was a mess yesterday. You probably have seen this already, but Amazon Web Services, who controls what appears to be a very significant portion of the Internet, had what I think I read yesterday was their uh, 20th outage of the year. (laughs) Uh, But this one was a big one. They were down. Amazon Web Services experienced an outage on Tuesday that affected major streaming services and other widely used websites. Uh, They are seeing, they said, an impact to multiple AWS APIs in the U.S. East 1 region, which is somewhere in the Northern Virginia area. One of their cloud farms essentially had an issue and it took down a ton of stuff. People trying to use things like I said, as widely varied as Strava all the way through List Perfectly, one of the services that I use, it was really inconsistent because I saw starting fairly early in the day, I think this started about 10 o'clock Eastern time yesterday, people saying that they were not able to do certain things within List Perfectly, that cross-posting to sites like Mercari was not working. I did 45 listings with cross-posting yesterday and had not a single issue I got on Netflix last night and was able to watch the first three episodes of Lost in Space, which I highly recommend. (laughs) Uh, So I did not personally experience any issues, but it was pretty bad. Uh, Amazon's own warehouses experienced outages that delayed shipments. People were not able to get into Amazon Web Services, Amazon Seller Central, and so on. So it was very, very messy yesterday. The outage, according to what I read this morning, lasted for about... Seven hours, there may still be some lingering effects as whatever it was they fixed propagates down the line, but um, let us know if you're here live in the chat. Did you have any problems? Uh, Sissy Moore says, let's see if I can click it here, my sales are doing good and so is the shipping. We're going to get into that here in just a second. (laughs) Uh, And she says, yes, knock on wood, uh, apparently sales good and not having any problems. If you follow me over on Instagram, you may have seen this little post yesterday. USPS is already in a total meltdown. And maybe it's just me, but I'm hearing from other sellers that there are a ton of delays already taking place. I filed yesterday 19 Missing package search requests. So most of this goes back to the Monday and Tuesday immediately after the Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend. Uh, It would appear in my case that there is probably an entire cart of shipments that has been misplaced either at my local branch, which I find highly unlikely, or in the Cincinnati Hub. But I have 19 items right now that have not received a scan since their initial acceptance scan. So USPS is already experiencing delays, despite everything they told us leading into the holidays, that they were hiring additional help, they had added additional facilities, and so on. I know several sellers are already reporting packages missing, and it's not, in my case, pretty much everything is media mail, uh, which is, Last priority, and I expect there to be some delays, especially as we get into the next couple of weeks, but I know several people who have priority mail packages that have also already been either delayed or have not uh, not had any scans, so it is, it's a little rough out there for old USPS. Let us know again in the chat, are you having any issues with the United States Postal Service at this time? We talked about USPS a couple of weeks ago and the fact that they were going to be... They're increasing rates in January, and that they had snuck in, within that, a couple of big surcharges for packages longer than 22 inches. They have announced that they are going to delay... Implementation of those policies at least until April. Online sellers will get a temporary respite from two brand new types of fees that were hidden in the November 10th USPS press release announcing the January fee hike the dimension non compliance fee and the $4 and $15 non standard fees. Note they say in this article over on e commerce bytes that the USPS will go forward with the regular rate hike, which is scheduled for January 9th. So The holiday surcharge ends on December 26th, if I'm not mistaken. We'll get about two weeks at the fall rate, and then rates will go up. The average, they say, is about 3.1%. On Friday, USPS informed the Postal Regulatory Commission that it would delay those two types of fees until April. This brief delay, they say is intended to provide the industry with additional time to plan and adjust for these changes and aligns with our intent to be judicious in our pricing decisions and responsive to the needs of our customers. Again, the regular price effect will go into effect um, January 9th, but the two new fees will not go into effect until April 3rd. There is some hope that uh, cooler heads will prevail and they will undo those changes altogether but we will have to wait and see. I talked to one reseller who does a lot of automotive parts and he is really in a bad spot over the the big 22 to 30 plus inch box size issue. So hopefully they'll they'll do away with that. That seems 15 bucks. Seems like an extraordinarily high fee. Speaking of further meltdowns, moving on to eBay. <laughs> uh, man, they just can't Quit shooting themselves in the foot late last week, eBay accidentally canceled bids and then suspended accounts. en mass, uh, eBay accidentally canceled bids on some users' accounts and then suspended the accounts altogether. The reports came in through posts on the eBay discussion boards as well as on the Down Detector website, which, when it shows up on there, you know it's pretty widespread. Uh, some of the, some people were saying they were unable to get any support. From eBay, this issue comes as eBay's user base has already begun to decline. eBay exited the third quarter with a 5% decline in the number of active buyers and a 10% decline in sales year over year. Uh, There were numerous sellers who reported this situation where they received notification that bids had been canceled. Sometimes in cases where the item had already actually been sold. And then they received a letter, an email, a message from eBay saying that their account had been suspended. eBay did not put anything about this on their technical message boards. They did, however, ultimately post something on the seller announcement board that said, Earlier today, a number of eBay accounts were inadvertently suspended. The issue should be resolved in the next few hours, and any sellers who need to take action will be contacted. We regret Any concern this may have caused? Could this have happened (laughs) Uh, at a worse possible time? Uh, Again, if you're watching or listening, was your account caught up in this? I've seen reports that it was from as few to dozens of accounts to as many as hundreds. I would expect since it began to appear on the Down Detector website that it was probably the higher number, not the lower. Just based on how that site works, it takes a lot of pings on that site for it to register there being any problems. But this was really a mess. Three weeks, essentially, before Christmas, when uh, sellers should be selling about the maximum stuff they're going to sell over the course of a month, Uh, their accounts were suspended. The post makes no mention of canceled bids, and there's no way to know if sellers were negatively impacted by lower bidding activity as a result. Again, as I mentioned earlier, some sellers are reporting that sales overall for them are down. I know in my case, I'm down. I'm about even with where I was last month, so it's just kind of a normal month here at the Galaxy, but compared to last December, my sales are down about 40%, and last weekend was arguably the worst weekend I've had in forever. I had very few new watchers, very few offers, not a lot of sales. Two weekends ago, I did 32 or 33 transactions, something like that maybe as many as 36. This past weekend, I did 13. So my sales, my traffic was way off. I was not caught up in this. I didn't have any bids canceled. Thankfully, my account was not suspended. I don't know. I can't seem to find any information on whether when they'd suspended those accounts, if those listings were all deleted and had to be recreated, um, I, I would probably be curled up in a fetal position if my listings were deleted and not automatically reinstated. So again, let me know in the chat if you were caught up or if you know anybody that got caught up in that. Speaking of the chat, let's pop back in there real quick. TRB Collectibles says, I utilize USPS pickup, so when they pick up packages, they have to scan it. No problems on my end. See, this is the the situation where I take mine physically to the post office using the bulk acceptance scan sheet. And those items got scanned and then from there they did not, they haven't received any further scans. So they've got that first scan and then they just went into limbo, which is the case I think for a lot of sellers. They're getting that initial scan and then just kind of going a wall. <laughs> uh, which is really, really strange. It happened last year. Oddly, for me, it was the same weekend. I had some packages that were sold on Black Friday weekend that did not get delivered until January last year. I hope that is not the case this year, but we're we're not off to a great start. Uh, eBay also made a change. You may have seen or noticed this if you've looked at your or any other eBay store recently. This happened within the last few days. eBay is displaying the... It was unclear when it first happened, and eBay has made a change, which I will show you here in a second, but they began displaying an amount sold on your store page. So you have where your store banner is, and essentially it shows your feedback and so on. And now it was showing a number sold. The first writer to e-commerce Bytes said that hers said 11K sold. It was not particularly specific, and there was a lot of confusion about what that was referring to. Uh, e commerce bytes did some further digging and they noticed large sellers of eBay refer- refurbished goods showed no number sold on their eBay store homepage, nor did the eBay store for Hanes Brands outlet, although both stores they noted use customized templates. The Google eBay store did show 179K sold. There was nothing again on the eBay announcement boards regarding this particular change, and it was odd. They said that nobody was talking about it. It's like it just happened out of the blue. Uh, eBay has since updated. This is my store, and you can see here they have added the word items. So my store now says 9.9K items sold. So there's no confusion that it is a dollar amount, which really had some people up in arms. There were several folks who commented that the number showing on their store matched their last 30 days worth of sales and they were very concerned and rightly so that personal financial information was being displayed for the entire world to see. So (laughs) uh, it has been updated and now says how many items you have sold. This appears to go back all the way to the beginning of your account. So anything you sold in my case from early 2000 through today is showing on here. Uh, It does not account for the gigantic gap of probably 10 years where I did not even get on eBay. (laughs) Uh, eBay has also posted on uh, the Seller Hub a notice about the tax reporting change that we've talked about on this podcast a couple of times this year. eBay has warned sellers that the IRS will require it to report all annual sales over $600 using the form 1099K beginning with tax year 2022. And they said the new requirement is causing confusion. This change will impact millions of casual and small business sellers on eBay, it said in their announcement this week. Quote, it has raised concerns in our selling community and we're working to bring these concerns to Congress. We believe this new legislation will cause confusion over reporting of non-taxable income and privacy concerns for millions of Americans who are just trying to get by. We are continuing they say to highlight the undue impact this increase will have on small sellers on eBay and are urging an increase to the reporting threshold. Uh, $600 does seem to be an excessively small number for that, but um, it kind of is what it is. We've talked about it a couple times. I mentioned back in October, we talked about this article in Money Magazine where tax guru and small business expert Barbara Weltman was quoted uh, she pointed out that the onus is on the payment processors to file this 1099K and said taxpayers were always required to report their income and pay federal tax, federal income tax on it for people who were doing the right things, she said, and we mentioned at that time, it should make no difference. eBay, for their part, is concerned that casual sellers may curb their activity on the marketplace. So if you're just selling junk that you would sell at a garage sale, and you go over the $600 threshold, you're going to get this form, even though those items may not count as income. I will preface all of this by saying that e-commerce bites, nor I are tax accountants or tax attorneys, and you should always uh, uh, talk to a professional for tax advice. But they point out the example of you bought a bike for $1,000 a few years ago. You sell it on eBay today for $700. You're going to get a 1099K for that $700, even though... Theoretically, that $700 would, generally speaking, not be subject to income tax. Again, if you sold it at a garage sale, it would not be subject to income tax. So the reporting requirement still requires you as a seller to do something I've talked about numerous times on this podcast, and that is to make sure you keep very good books so that you can separate personal sales from business sales and that you can account for. Remember that 1099 form accounts for all payments processed through their system, including things like sales tax and so on that you are not required to pay income tax on. Again, not giving tax advice, but talk to your tax accountant about those things. They did describe three particular concerns that they had, overly complicated tax forms for smaller transactions. Again, something like that $700 bike. It targets casual sellers who are not set up to handle this kind of tax reporting. Most people would not have any idea what to do with a 1099. A lot of professional sellers have no idea (laughs) uh, what to do with a 1099, let alone um, Bobby trying to sell his bike. And it doesn't take into account the selling of used goods, which are rarely taxable income as they are sold at a price below the original purchase price. That would only be true if you are a personal seller. If you are a business seller, of course, that would not be the case. While eBay pointed out that the requirement previously only applied to sellers with at least 200 transactions and over $20,000 in sales, some states individually had already lowered that amount to $600, including Massachusetts and Vermont. So let's let's see what we got in the chat on this one. Uh, TRB Collectibles, I was listening to the Pure Hustle podcast. Those guys are terrific. By the way, if you're not listening to them, you should check that out. They were talking about how this year fourth quarter sales being up, but they also have seen no dramatic increase on eBay this year. Same here. I wonder why. That is a good question. Uh, I don't know. There, There have been articles in the news about why eBay and Etsy are such great places to go this year for holiday shopping. But in my case, and apparently in theirs and some others as well, it just really has not panned out that way so far. Uh, Sissy Moore, my store is now also showing items sold, 1.5K. Didn't know I had sold that much. Well, congratulations (laughs) Uh, for only six months, unless this is also including from way back when when I used to mess around a little bit. Yeah, my understanding is from my research on this that it goes back to the beginning of your account. So anything that you sold from day one through today is showing up in that count. So, uh, like in my case, Of the 9.9K, there might be 1,500 items that I sold back in the early 2000s when I had my record store that are showing on there. I don't know if it gives a prospective customer a little more confidence. If they see that you have sold a lot of stuff, I guess it's a nice match with your feedback. They can look and see, hey, you know, this guy's got whatever, 4,000 feedbacks at 99.8% or whatever it is and has sold 10,000 items this is probably a reputable seller I can I feel comfortable buying from them I don't I don't really know if that makes much difference or not but there you go on to some some good news finally oh, man <laughs> uh, eBay we talked about a couple of weeks ago they were introducing a new 3d true view for the sneaker market that went live for some sellers this week. New eBay 3D TrueView now brings sneaker listings to life like never before. With 3D TrueView, one of the first-of-its-kind AI technologies for the resale market, buyers can view sneakers from any angle, top, bottom, and 360 degrees side to side as if they're holding the shoes in their hands. eBay 3D TrueView enhances buyer trust and confidence by giving them a better way to evaluate high-value and pre-owned sneakers before they make purchase decisions. Buyers can closely examine every square inch of the item, even the slightest flaws, so they know exactly what they're getting. They kicked this off by using a -a one-of-a-kind pair of 1985 Chicago Bulls-inspired Air Jordan 1 player sample sneakers that were made exclusively for Michael Jordan and signed by the basketball legend. Uh, The Air Jordan 1s are currently listed on eBay for a cool $250,000 with buy it now and best offer options Buyers, they say, can examine every facet of the sneakers from any angle, from individual stitches to Michael Jordan's autograph. You can join the waitlist if you are a sneakerhead. Uh, it is currently only available to select sneaker sellers. We will expand availability of this 3D TrueView to more sellers and additional categories, which is interesting. Over the coming months, you can sign up on our 3D TrueView waitlist, and we'll let you know as soon as you're eligible to participate. So. There you go. If you are a sneaker head, uh, this is kind of cool technology. So uh, kudos to eBay uh, for continuing to really go after that market. More good news from eBay. They announced their 2021 class of up and running grant recipients. Uh, this was the second annual version of this program, which was created to support small businesses with incremental funding and business development resources. This was in partnership with hello Alice. We talked about this when they introduced it. I want to say back in September, this year's list of 50 winners include sellers from 25 States across motors, electronics, fashion, beauty, collectibles, and more. Each of them will receive $10,000 to reinvest in their business. Plus customized access to training resources, and mentorship. Uh, Andrea stairs, the CMO and VP of seller community says eBay is committed to helping sellers succeed. And we designed the up and running grant program to fuel their growth. Recipients are able to use the funds and resources to increase inventory, adjust their business model, or hire more employees. Cultivating small business is embedded in the eBay DNA, and we continue to provide the crucial tools to help entrepreneurs thrive. They say on eBay, 80% of all items sold are from small businesses. And in the past year, small businesses grew 27% on the marketplace. So congratulations, there is a list. I'm not going to read the whole thing. (laughs) Uh, Of all 50 uh, grant recipients and links to their businesses. So if you want to go check that out, uh, there you go. Uh, Amazon announced an update that is good news, but led to some confusion over on Amazon for people who participate in the FBA program. They are now making it easier for sellers who use that program to split shipments into multiple fulfillment centers as long as they're using Amazon's preferred shipping carriers. According to the announcement... Sellers can use box-level inventory placement for eligible inventory and we will separate your shipment into multiple box groups, allowing your products to reach our fulfillment centers faster. One commenter wrote, in the past, it would cost more to send 10 boxes to five different fulfillment centers and would be considered five shipments. Now I can pay the 10 boxes to one fulfillment center's cheaper price because it's considered one shipment but they will have different labels and addresses and go to the five individual fulfillment centers instead of just the one and then having to be transferred by Amazon sellers like the idea they say of sending inventory to a single center located nearest to them and save on inbound shipping costs. Though it seems unlikely the program gives them any greater flexibility in selecting the actual destination warehouse. On the other hand, Once the inventory is at Amazon facilities, inventory stored in multiple places around the country do have a better chance of reaching customers faster, which was a benefit that Amazon touted in the announcement. There are no changes to the shipment fees or current logistics with the new program, and Amazon said sellers would have full visibility into the shipment status of each of their box groups and they notice that no action is required from sellers. Once you select a partnered carrier as part of your shipping plan, we'll let you know if your shipment qualifies for box level placement. We'll con- box level placement. We'll contact your partnered carrier directly to process the shipment. You can find full details, of course, over on Amazon Central, Amazon Seller Central. Uh, now some less than great news. There is a report out that indicates Amazon made a whopping $121 billion this year alone from the fees it charges to third party sellers. The article says that Amazon charges seller fees that are high enough to offset the losses they incur from their Amazon Prime service. Uh, Amazon Toll Road is a report from the nonprofit. Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and they found that Amazon charged third-party sellers $121 billion in fees. According to the report, those fees for things like advertising, referrals, and shipping and I'm not sure I totally agree with this, usually mean that small businesses lose money to Amazon. I don't know that that's the case. Certainly, you lose some profit because you're paying a much, much higher portion than you would be, say, on eBay or whatever, but I don't... I don't think you're losing money over there. Uh, If you sell on Amazon, you can let me know if that process is a money loser for you. Um, Mitchell, who did the report, said that in 2014, sellers paid Amazon $19 for every $100 in sales. Today, that number is closer to $34 for every $100 in sales. Amazon's Prime subscription service is believed to be a money loser for the e-commerce giant, but it does provide that loyal base of shoppers who want to get their money's worth of free shipping. The profits that sellers pay essentially subsidize those losses from the Prime division. If you're a company that makes or retails consumer products, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. On Amazon, A small retailer could try to use its own website to reach customers, but Mitchell says that's often akin to basically hanging your shingle out on a dirt road because of the role that Prime has in making Amazon often the first and only place customers go when shopping on the internet. Uh, Jeff Bezos said for his part that Amazon Prime had grown to 200, and 200 million subscribers. Uh... This is a pretty lengthy article. I'm not going to get into this whole thing, but uh, they did, Amazon did refute some aspects of this statement, saying that the report was intentionally misleading and that it conflated Amazon's selling fees with the cost of certain of their optional services, including things like advertising, logistics, and so on. Those fees can range from 8 to 17% of the selling price, and those fees, they Amazon points out, are highly competitive when compared to other selling options such as marketplaces, Walmart, Target, eBay, Etsy, and others, or direct options like BigCommerce and Shopify. In addition, she said uh, Amazon third-party sellers use the Fulfillment by Amazon service, which she said offered fulfillment services that were in fact 30% cheaper than other logistics providers and had faster shipping. She noted that sellers are not required to use any or all of these services, so these are optional things that Amazon makes money off of. Jeff Bezos had said in the government hearing that when you see these fees going up, what's really happening is that sellers are choosing to use more of our services that we make available. Now that, to me, is it is true on the face of it, but Amazon puts you into a position kind of like what eBay is doing potentially with the promoted listings advanced, where that if you don't use these services, you essentially are going to get left behind on the platform because your items are not going to be as visible as others. So while it is true that these are optional services, the way the thing is structured almost forces you to use them. So optional, maybe maybe a bit of a misnomer. TRB Collectible says, "Anyone here have Amazon Prime? Is it worth it? I usually wait till I have enough items to qualify for free shipping. Anyway, uh, I can only speak for myself. I have Amazon Prime mostly for the video and movie service. the The free shipping, I it is what it is. My purchases are usually large enough that they would qualify anyway. Uh, but I've got it solely because I like their video service." Uh, even though they've started to have a lot of stuff on there <laughs> uh, that you actually have to pay to watch anyway on top of the fee that you're already paying. So, But that's that's another item to discuss. The last thing in the news, and I'm not going to go into this because this is a massive, massive article, but uh, I will link to it and all of these in the show notes in the video description below. This article appeared over on the New York Times, and it says, What Happened to Amazon's Bookstore? Uh, A 2011 thriller was supposed to cost $15. One merchant listed it at $987 with a 17th century publication date. That's what happens in a marketplace where third-party sellers run wild. John C. Boland was poking around the Amazon bookstore when he saw the science thriller Hominid for sale at dizzying prices. It was $907 from Sandy Dune Surplus, $930 from Rocky Mountain Books, and $987 from Open Range Media. He didn't need a copy of it. He wrote it and published it himself, and the list price is $15. (laughs) In addition, they said, sellers also bizarrely asserted that this book was published as far back as 1602, which was a mere 409 years before it was actually issued, which further irked the writer. Uh, And I see this from time to time on eBay, where... Publication dates are fuzzy, let's just say, uh, to be generous, but people are not super accurate. Of course, the advantage to showing an earlier publication date is that it would make the book appear to be more rare and more unusual, although something that supposedly was published in 1600 and had a conventional cover on it would probably raise some eyebrows. The article points out that Amazon started as a bookstore, but it is now a marketplace, an e-commerce bucket that any seller can put their stuff into, said Jane Friedman, a publishing industry consultant. The result is that the shopping experience has really gotten worse over time, and I would not disagree with that. I have found that I get a lot of recommendations from Amazon which are not relevant to what I'm searching for. She goes on to point out, should we care As a society that a single firm controls half of our most precious cultural commodity and its automation isn't working right. Uh, That was actually by Christopher Sagers, the author of Antitrust Examples and Explanations. And as if to point it out, they checked for his book. Earlier this week, the book was ranked number one in the category of antitrust law. The second ranked seller was Mental Health Workbook. Uh, which deals with depression and attachment theory. The number five book was on the origins of Christmas. At number 15 was a true crime tale about child murders. They go on to say eight of the top 20 books on that list had no discernible connection to antitrust. People think, he said, that Amazon's algorithms are better than they actually are. So that's, that's some of the kind of stuff you'll find in this article. Like I said, it is quite lengthy. It is definitely worth the read, and I will link to it over there uh, fascinating stuff. And I absolutely agree that Amazon is as a marketplace is probably not as great, uh, as it used to be. There's obviously you can still find everything over there and that's where a lot of deals are to be had, but man, oh man, oh man, is it, can it be messy? Uh, so speaking of sales, Let's get into what I sold over the last couple of weeks here. I'm going to jump real quick back into the comments. Uh, flipping sports guy, my wife has Amazon Prime and loves it. She has stuff arriving daily, which means I hate it. Yeah, absolutely. I've My neighbor, it, literally the Amazon truck is in front of my house every day, but it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim Lucas says, repricers gone wild. That could be the case, too. There is a lot of automation that third-party sellers use. And when they see pricing going up for something, they may be adjusting to that incorrectly. TRB Collectibles has been really thinking about getting it. Thank you, everyone, for your thoughts. Thank you for all of those of you who chimed in over there about that issue. So you may have, if you follow me over on Instagram, where's my handy little uh, at? Galaxy CDs rocks. You may have seen me post this little ditty yesterday. I reached a business goal, and I've talked about this several times this year on this show, that my one of my 2021 goals was to get to 7,500 active listings. And the last time I brought this up, I did not believe that I was going to get there, but I have really pushed here in Q4 I have averaged for the last month or so almost 150 new listings created every week. And as of yesterday, I did, in fact, cross the 7,500 threshold. Yay me. So I was pretty excited about that. As of uh, this morning, I'm at like 7536. So uh, somebody asked me over on Instagram what my goal for next year was. and I haven't quite sorted that out yet, uh, but it will be to continue to increase that number, though maybe not by as much as I did this year. Um, It was a pretty pretty big jump to get up to 7500 So talking about some of the items that were listed and have sold, uh, we've got kind of a mix of stuff here. I don't think this is a particularly big recap, but there are a few things here. This first one was part of a big lot of books that I picked up from an estate sale totally for free. This was a... um, Heritage Press Edition from 1967 of Dostoevsky's Notes from Underground and The Gambler. This was a really interesting book. It was a big, almost coffee table-sized book, but it was two books in one, and they were printed in opposition to each other. So you had to physically flip the book over to read the other books. It was a really unusual piece. I had it listed for $23.99, I believe, or best offer. It sold on eBay for $20.00 plus customer paid shipping. The Heritage Press stuff, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Some of it is worth anywhere from, say, 15 to $30, and some of them are worth $4. So if you see somebody, uh, I have found that a lot of people collected these. So if you're at an estate sale, you may see a big collection of Heritage Press books. If you can buy the whole lot fairly cheaply or get it free like I did, that's a pretty good deal. Otherwise, you might want to Take some time to look individual ones up because they can be worth some decent money. This was a really interesting book, the Guggenheim Museum Publications' Frank Gehry Architect from 2001. This was a hardcover in its dust jacket that featured works of Frank Gehry. This sold on Mercari for $26 with free shipping on a best offer. I think I had this listed for $30. So pretty nice sale. Again, anything with its dust jacket, tends to hold its value pretty well. This book is 20 years old. It was in really good shape and brought reasonably good money. This was a really old book, 1967. Nothing particularly special about it. A 6th edition printing, uh, but it did have its dust jacket. Classical Electrodynamics by John David Jackson. This was part of a big lot of books that I picked up for what probably amounted to about 10 cents a piece. The guy did... Looks like he was a hobbyist in TV and electronics repair. I've talked about the, the vacuum tubes that I picked up at this sale, but he had a ton of books on physics, atomic theory, uh, electromagnetism, and so on. This is one of those. It sold for twenty seven ninety nine plus customer paid shipping. So those old electronics and kind of nuclear engineering books look to be, they're not super fast sellers, but. I'm, I'm getting pretty good return on them, especially since I own them for $0.10 cents a piece. This was a an old fiction, a kid's mystery, uh, The Mystery Over the Brick Wall by Heller Helen Fuller Orton from 1951. This was in a special library binding. I think I talked last week about those library binding books, so this was something different than what, what, what would have been available commercially. Really interesting piece was part of a big lot that I owned for about 50 cents a piece. This went for 29.99 with free shipping. It was not uh, a fast seller by any means and I think a lot of that had to do with its condition. It had some tape on it. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see there are some areas where the tape on the corners has even broken loose. So it was not in perfect condition, but it still brought 30 bucks from 50 cents. Over on Macari, I sold this game. I picked this up for 2 bucks, uh, New and Sealed Volopoly, the University of Tennessee Volunteers version of Monopoly. This sold for $39 plus customer paid shipping. I've had this probably since the spring. I assume somebody is getting this for Christmas because it just sold a few days ago. So a really interesting piece. I, as I've mentioned previously, typically board games and Puzzles and that sort of thing, I will generally only pick up if I can verify that all the pieces are there or if they're new and sealed. So, this was a case where this was a new and sealed. Uh, sorry for my laughing. I'm looking at the chat here, and uh, Rebel Junk says, I want merch that says, I own it for 10 cents a piece. <laughs> uh, I'll have to get something put together in my Teespring store uh, that says, I own this for 10 cents. <laughs> uh trb collectibles says i know you're interested in f1 and racing so i assume you are a fan of top gear if so i would say a selling point of amazon prime would be the grand tour yes i have watched all those the new one i think comes out on the 17th if i'm not mistaken uh it is really good I, i enjoy that very much although i do miss we're totally off on a tangent now i miss their in the tent stuff their conversations um their their chats that to me was the high point of the show. These skits and their you know their actual out on the road on the cars is interesting and entertaining. But I really enjoyed when they just kind of talked amongst themselves. Uh, so this has been on the screen for a while. So I guess I'll talk about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, from 1996, King Snake Records, "Merry Christmas." This was new and sealed. Uh, featured a, a variety of different artists, including Greg Allman. This was part of the big lot of CDs that I bought uh, about a year and a half ago that I owned for less than $0.04 a piece. I had this listed for a fairly astronomical $79.99 or best offer. It was in my current 25% off sale and sold, I think, on an offer for $50.99 plus free shipping. Still a pretty nice flip from an investment of uh, (laughs) (laughs) $0.04. Uh, more train magazines. I've had these for a long, long time because I was asking for the moon on them. This is from 1954. was the full year, all nine issues of Toy Trains magazine, which featured Lionel trains. These were I was asking the moon for these because they were in practically like new condition. Whoever had had these had taken exceptionally good care of them. This was part of a big lot of train magazines and catalogs. I traveled all the way to Louisville to pick up on a tip from a model railroad club down there that knows I sell that kind of stuff. And they had someone that had reached out to them that the, the husband had passed away and they had this huge collection of stuff they didn't know what to do with. So I made an offer. I essentially own all of these individual issues for about a nickel. So I've got 45 cents in this. I was asking originally $89.99 for the full year. I received an offer last week for $80 with free shipping, and I went ahead and took that. And that, actually, I believe, is our flip of the week. Man, that that was a really short (laughs) uh, What Sold segment. If you have anything that you sold in the last week that you'd like to drop into the chat real quick before we close this episode out, uh, please feel free to do so. But, uh, yeah. A pretty good week. Like I said, month to date, it's just been a normal month for me. Uh, nothing really to complain about unless I compare my business to last year's numbers where it is it's a, it's a bit of a bloodbath. Being down 40%, profits are still good, margins are still good, so I don't have any particular complaints uh, if you're picking up in Louisville, you're in Tesla picker territory, says TRB collectibles. Yeah. I, I don't think he messes with this kind of stuff. So I was probably safe, but this is one of those things where kind of maybe thinking outside the box a little bit, this, these are things that I like to sell. I like to go through them and look at them. So periodically I reach out to model railroading clubs throughout kind of the tri-state area, Indianapolis, Louisville, Columbus, I might even travel as far as Cleveland for the right selection. So I will send out messages on their Facebook Messenger or whatever and say, "Hey, I cuz sometimes they have big collections of these themselves that they don't know what to do with. You'll go to a model railroad event, a show, and they'll just be giving them away. So I'll ask, "Hey, do you have some of these that you'd like to get rid of? I'd be willing to buy them and take them off your hands." And in this particular case, The answer that I got back was, we don't have anything that we would want to get rid of, but I do know someone who has some stuff that they would like to get rid of. So think outside the box when you're thinking about sourcing, particularly if you're in the northern part of the United States where it's already chilly and garage sales are essentially over. TRB Collectibles sold a pair of LG headphones for $70 yesterday that I picked up for a dollar. That's a nice flip. Congratulations. Uh, Lots of hellos here. If I didn't say anything to you individually. Regina Michelle, thank you so much for joining. Uh, TRB Collectibles, again, when when you ship books, do you put them in a box or a padded envelope? Typically what I'm doing, unless it's a really high value book, is I wrap it in newsprint, which I buy on eBay, uh, so that the cover has at least some protection inside the, the bubble mailer. And then I put it in a bubble mailer. If it's a big lot of books or a particularly expensive or valuable book, I will put it in a box. If it is a a paperback or a trade paperback, I will typically also put a cardboard stiffener on it and wrap that in tape so that it stays secure to give it a little bit of added protection. I actually got feedback from a buyer this morning who said the the packaging was essentially bulletproof that I could teach other sellers how to ship books because it was wrapped, it was in a bubble mailer, and it had the cardboard stiffener. So... I know there are some sellers that don't want to do those extra things, and there is a case to be made that it's not necessarily the most environmentally friendly to use all that extra packaging. But ultimately, I want the item to arrive at its destination in good condition. Rebel Junk, I'm still selling off pieces of the Gobel Hummel Nativity set. The lowest was a $90 figure. Have they found the big one? Uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago on this show that uh, Rebel Junk had sold a, a three piece. I think it was was it camels for like six hundred and fifty bucks, and she had to file now a missing package claim <laughs> uh, with USPS on that. So I'd be curious how that has worked out. Did they find it? Is it on its way? Those are the ones that really are troubling. Obviously, it's a huge sale six hundred fifty dollars you try to do the right thing. You send it out priority mail in their packaging, and it still gets waylaid. Uh, She points out it has been found, but it's not moving yet. Well, that's if it's been found, that's, that's a plus. So great. Uh, TRB collectibles says, thank you. Have a great day. Yeah. We're going to wrap this thing up. Um, Yeah. Rebel junk is crying that (laughs) you hate when that happens on a, on any sale, but a particularly big one, or if you have, like in my case, uh, 19 packages all from one day that go missing. That is never a pleasant situation. So with that, um, oh, I still have that chat on there. I got to get that off of there. Thank you so much for stopping by. If you did enjoy the show today, please do me a favor. If you're on YouTube and whack that thumbs up button. If you are not a subscriber to the YouTube channel or a listener to the podcast, please consider or a follower, I should say, to the podcast, please consider doing that. It would help me out tremendously. Last I checked, I was at 599 subscribers, and I've been there for the better part of a week. So if uh, one more of y'all that are listening or watching that have not subscribed could do so and get me over 600, that would be outstanding. <laughs> uh, so with that, we're going to close for this week. I am on the fence actually, about whether I will do a live event next week because we'll be within 10 days of Christmas and in arguably the busiest shipping week of the year. So there will be an episode next week, whether it's a live show next Wednesday or a pre-recorded event. I have not decided yet, but I will have something for you one way or the other. Uh, The best way to find out, of course, is to subscribe and click that little bell so you get notified about what's going on. I hope everybody is having a great week. That everyone is staying healthy and gearing up for what we hope is a great close to Q4. With that, it is time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.